not only do we need to know ourselves and find balance within ourselves, we actually succeed and are happiest when we synergize with people who have traits and strengths that are different than us. Everyone is different. Our brains are different. Our brain chemistries are different. Our conditioning is different. Knowing who you are is the most important piece. And however old you are, you've essentially been practicing your emotional responses your entire life based on what you've been exposed to. My perceived inadequacies, or my real inadequacies when it came to masculinity, a lot of it I was able to actually embody the, the positive side of my fire when I embraced my water side. If all of your exes are really stubborn, you gotta think like, why am I constantly drawn to stubborn people? Is it that I'm not embracing my own stubbornness? I mean, it would be an earth quality. Or if you're always drawn to people who are always up in the clouds, like, am I not expressing my air qualities enough? Is that why I keep getting drawn to these people? Because if you find a pattern in your social relationships, chances are you're unconsciously drawn to that because you want to express that more. You need to express your emotions, otherwise it actually causes depression in your nervous system. The Ruando Podcast is an exploration of the unconscious and the game of life. Be sure to visit ruando.com to get a preview chapter of my upcoming book, Infinite Play, and free access to my content library. Enjoy the show. Flamio Hopman. Uh, good morning, everyone. Hope you all had a great weekend. You celebrate Halloween. Hope you had a great Halloween. There's also full moon, a blue moon, a hunter's moon this weekend, whatever that means. And here in Thailand, it was also the Festival of Lights, which is uh, a very special holiday uh, here in Thailand. So, as you can see, shaved my head. If you are watching the video of this, I normally don't have a shaved head. I did dress up as Avatar Aang from the children's show of the early 2000s, uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. And doing this episode today, I'm balancing the four elements, the neurotransmitters that drive our behavior. Uh, yeah, because the show, if you haven't seen it, basically touches on the themes. It is a children's show. I'm a little old to have known about the show, but my little brother really was all about it. He's 10 years younger than me. Shout out to him. And um, I guess it came out on Netflix during COVID and he suggested I watch it. It's a great show. It is a kid's show, but it's really enjoyable for adults because they do hit on real life lessons in a way that is entertaining to the kids, but also um, very relatable and uh, enjoyable to adults. But uh, specifically about this show, uh, you know, in this Avatar universe, they speak about the four elements in this fantasy world. There are people who can control air, people who control water, fire, and earth. And even though obviously it's a children's show, it's a fantasy show, oh, look at these superpowers. Um, I found that, and I think this was very intentional by the creators of the show, um, it, it demonstrates different elements of our personality, right? Uh, the four elements have been touched on in many different esoteric traditions throughout the world. Um, in China, they split up into five, but I'll address that. They're not actually that different. Um, but these four elements, uh, earth, fire, air, and water, represent dif different neurotransmitters and obviously expressions of our personality. So even in the show, even though they're talking about fantasy world, I do find that it um, uh, shows certain life lessons. And like this is kind of a thing, in, um, it's kind of the goal of Kabbalah, Jewish mysticism, um, where you're trying to balance the outside world within you. Like uh, many traditions view the self as a microcosm for the universe and from ancient esoterics, uh, ancient mystics uh, perception of the universe, seeing that the, the world is made out of these four elements, fire, water, earth and air. Um, how can we balance ourselves, balance our personalities metaphorically uh, to match what we observe in the universe, right? The balance of these four elements. 
These four elements have also been touched on in uh, tarot, Western occultism. The, the four suits of playing cards are these four elements as well. Um, Chinese medicine, as I mentioned, breaks up to five. Uh, also in ancient, I believe this originated in ancient Greece and then also became popular in medieval times in Western Europe, the four humors, um, where they believe that um, we have this four um, liquids in our body that drive our personality, blood, phlegm, yellow bile, and black bile. And they basically correspond to these four concept, concepts again, the, the, these four elements. So we talk about this uh, from a biological perspective because these four elements directly tie to four neurotransmitters, the driver behavior. Um, obviously, the ancient mystics didn't know about the neurotransmitters, but their observations match up with what we know today. Um, we're also going to speak about how to actually balance them as far as like qualitative things you could do, and also how to play well with others because a big theme of the children's show Avatar um, was getting along with people of different types, like there's fire people and there's water people, and it's kind of demonstrated hyperbolically in the cartoon, um, but it actually shows life lessons about balancing well with others or playing well with others because as social animals, not only do we need to know ourselves and find balance within ourselves, we actually succeed and are happiest when we synergize with people, specifically people who have traits and strengths that are different than us. Um, so there's a lot of application to being a leader of a team here, um, getting along with people in relationships. We tend to attract our opposites, even though they're hard for us to understand, um, but also finding your own way of being to let your gifts come out. So anyway, quick announcements. Um, if you've taken any of my courses or trainings, you notice there's probably, you probably had some bugs. There's been major tech issues. I won't get into the details, but I'm going to send out an apology email this week once I resolve this. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's fine. But if you've taken any of my trainings, you might have noticed some of the links aren't working and stuff is missing. Going to fix that soon. Um, other thing, next week, based on votes of everyone in the Masculine Underground group here in this group, next week we're going to do an episode on the warrior archetype. So a couple weeks ago I did it on the king archetype. Next, we're going to speak at the warrior archetype, also from a, um, a hormonal perspective, noradrenaline and testosterone, def uh, directly related to the warrior archetype. Uh, we're also speaking about these so-called masculine virtues. Um, I mean, I believe they're masculine virtues. The current narrative in society is that masculinity and these virtues are constructs. I disagree, but things like honor, courage, strength, integrity. Also, um, the reason why I thought of bringing up the warrior archetype is that a lot of guys reach out to me about sexual, uh, psychogenic sexual dysfunctions. Uh, you know, like they can't get it up or they prematurely come because of mental things or emotional things. And the warrior archetype, we'll speak about this hormonally, the warrior archetype is a solution if you can understand it and exercise it. It is a solution to mental issues that cause sexual problems. <clears throat> Accessing that hunter, that predator. <clears throat> so... Um, I know this is a weird time for most people, but if you happen to be watching this live, feel free to comment questions or thoughts or feedback. Happy to go on tangents. And if you are watching this on video or if you're watching this recording on YouTube, I'm honored that you want to stare at my bald head, but I highly recommend you check out the same content on an audio format on the podcast. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple. Why? Because there's no reason why you need to stare at me on a screen or look at your phone right now. You might as well do some push-ups, walk around the block, stretch, do some gardening work, help out your neighbor while you listen to this. No reason to be on a screen. I feel very strong about people getting off of their screens. Anyway. So let's jump in. First thing, I want to ground us in the biology because obviously we're speaking about the four elements of nature. It can sound mystical, but I'm not saying there's not, I mean, not even saying there's not some energetic aspect to it. 
Um, but I do view that when people talk about energy, they're usually speaking about things as far as feelings and metaphor. So I do want to ground us in biology, just so uh, we have something concrete to work off of. So these four elements, uh, fire, water, air, and earth, uh, correspond according to, well, according to me first, um, with dopamine is fire, serotonin is water, um, acetylcholine is air, and GABA is earth. And <clears throat> uh, qualitatively, uh, this fire energy, when you think of fire, when you think of a fiery person, what comes to mind? You think of someone who's passionate, uh, powerful, or seeks power, they're intense, um, maybe quick to anger. Uh, this is fire, right? And, you know, a, a small child can recognize this. Like, you can feel like there's like comparing fire to a personality. This is what it is. This relates to dopamine, um, also testosterone to some level, and noradrenaline, like this aggressive, like yang energy. Um, serotonin is receptivity, right? Like when um, you know, serotonin relaxes us, puts us in chill mode. Uh, it's also when we're flooded with serotonin, uh, like when on MDMA, for instance, not that I'm rep recommending anything, but like it feels, everything feels receptive and healing and connectable. Um, uh, acetylcholine is like the strategic thing is, um, acetylcholine is air. It's like thinking big thoughts and not th taking things that seriously because you're kind of floating up into the clouds. If you're a heady person or if you're an airy person, or if you have a tendency to go up into the clouds, like that's the air quality we're talking about. High acetylcholine, the strengths there are in strategy, the negatives are being kind of disconnected from earth and being ungrounded or up in your head or outside of your body. The opposite of that would be GABA. GABA is the neurotransmitter of groundedness, earth. Um, chillness, neutral in, in the show Avatar, all the earthbenders are like stubborn and um, slow moving, slow acting, but they're neutral, right? Like it's hard to move them like earth. And um, I became interested in this idea of the elements, uh, I mean, other than, you know, I, I think, you know, these fantasy cartoons are cool. Um, but also, I used to follow the, the strength coach, Charles Polikin. He was the strength coach of the gold medal Olympic team in 2000, among other many accomplishments. He's been on Tim Ferriss' show. He sadly passed away last year. But um, he brought up uh, these four neurotransmitters, and it actually was called the Braverman Test by... Uh, psychologist, uh, Dr. Eric Braverman. I actually just got his book, so I might do another episode on neurotransmitters. I also want to get him on the podcast, so we'll see, we'll see if uh, that happens. Um, but Dr. Braverman um, basically has a personality test. I could put the link in the show notes. Um, it's bravermantest.com. It's kind of a long questionnaire, and it is a questionnaire, but based on these astronaut questions, it estimates the presence of these four neurotransmitters in you. So it's a personality typing test. Um, based on these four personality traits. And a lot of it's kind of obvious, like the dopamine questions, like clearly are seeing how intense you are, or how quick to anger you are. But it also, um, it also shows in your body, right? Like um, some of the questions uh, ask you about your muscle tone and like how quickly you gain and lose fat and like your, your proclivities when it comes to exercise. Because those are also, um, those also are correlated with the presence of these four neurotransmitters. And Charles Polikin uh, would reference this test because he, uh, he, he was actually the one who connected, as far as I was first uh, aware of, connected these four neurotransmitters with um, the four elements. So he was saying that, and he's using it for athletes, right? So like, um, if you're high in dopamine, high intensity workouts are ideal for, you're probably drawn to powerlifting, you're probably drawn to things like football, um, where there's downs and rests and then fast explosions. And um, if you're a serotonin athlete, or I mean, he would joke that serotonin people typically don't play sports, they prefer yoga, which makes sense. Uh, acetylcholine people 
uh, like a lot of complex movement. They might be parkour people. They might be uh, strategy into strategy. Um, basketball players tend to be acetylcholine. It's a skill sport, obviously. Um, and the GABA players are like uh, snipers. They're like the people who can like wait a long time and then pounce. Uh, they can be very zen and chill. GABA people are good at better at meditating than most uh, most other people. And uh, the first thing, like the first thing that matters with this is. Uh, understanding who you are because so many prescriptions in the self-help world and personal development and spirituality and exercise are kind of like one size fits all right and you know i'm probably guilty of this too i find something that works for me or people like me and i want to talk about it um but understanding that everyone is different our brains are different our brain chemistries are different our conditioning is different has led to different brain chemistry and different um different uh, balances of uh, neurotransmitter receptors in us. So like some of us respond to dopamine better than others, um, which can be a good thing or a bad thing. Um, knowing who you are is the most important piece. And like that's one of the general lessons of the Avatar show. And I think most shows that reference stuff like this, like um, there's a lot of shows where there's like an ensemble cast and they each have like a skill, right? Like in heist movies, there's like the nerd and then there's the smooth talker and then there's the muscle in the Fellowship of the Ring, in Lord of the Rings, the, there's like one person with every kind of skill. Um, in, in Avatar, there's one person on the team of every element showing the balance of all of these personality traits. I'm gonna talk about groups in a second, but um, each of these uh, neurotransmitters, each of these elements, represent some useful survival skill. And um, even though as modern humans, we don't necessarily, you know, like the, the reasons why we have all these dopamine receptors and like why uh, men respond to testosterone in certain ways is for survival needs that in 2020 might be a little outdated, right? Like we don't have to um, act with aggression on a day-to-day -day basis, but that, that outlet does find its place, you know, in a corporate office. You might not need to actually physically defend yourself, but people have those same stress responses because we're, uh, we're running on an operating system that evolved for a certain situation. Um, so anyway, first bit is to understand who you are. And a very simple thing, I, I think the Braverman test, the bravermantest.com is, it's, it's kind of a long questionnaire. It's you, as you're doing it, it might be obvious, like based on your answers, what, you, what the result's going to be. But I, I recommend doing it anyway. I, it's uh, good for athletes. It's good for just just knowing you, who you are. And actually, um, a buddy of mine who was working, he's, he's actually a strength coach, but we were also working on this uh, media project together. Um, it was good for us to both take the test and see how we were with each other because it actually shows different uh, ways people communicate, right? Some people are super intense. Some people are super slow moving. I'm very much an air acetylcholine person. So when I have an idea, I want to do it. I'm not very attached to reality as much as other people. So when I work with an earth person, uh, someone who's like way more GABA, way more like, all right, let's move slow and see if everything makes sense, uh, conflict can arise. Um, and I, I want to speak one more thing on the, and I know I bring this up in a lot of episodes, but I just think it's one of the clearest things, especially for men or anyone who deals with testosterone, which is all of us, um, th is the winter effect. So the winter effect is a phenomenon that was discovered in the 90s, and I think people should talk about it more. Whereas when you do something where you perceive you've won a challenge, a couple things happen. Your testosterone spikes. So I think, you know, that's simply why, certainly as a man whose behavior and well-being is uh, largely driven by the presence of testosterone, doing hard things, even if you fail, but trying hard things is the best thing for your self-esteem, right? Like, it seems like an obvious thing of like, set goals and accomplish them, but that actually changes your chemistry. Because not only does it raise your testosterone, it also raises your androgen receptors, meaning 
future testosterone has a greater effect on you. But I, I brought that up in many different episodes, but uh, what I, I don't always stress on in the winter effect is that it's also true for dopamine, the fire neurotransmitter. Um, increases when you do something that feels good, that is a challenge. Even checking something off, it releases some dopamine. It also increases your dopamine receptors so that future accomplishments feel even better. Um, and I would, I, I mean, obviously all of this is conceptual. Like I'm not checking blood or anything. This is, you know, um, I, I would guess this is also probably true for noradrenaline, which is the aggressive aggression hormone. But we're going to talk about a, a, a noradrenaline more next week in the warrior archetype. And the same thing is true with anything, right? Like if you are around a lot of people who are always looking at cute things, if you're around a lot of babies, if you're always looking at baby pictures and cat photos on Instagram, uh, you're releasing oxytocin. That's what makes you, when anytime, anytime you feel cute, you can guess that oxytocin is being released. The more that happens, the more you develop oxytocin receptors to, you know, to be the locks to fit the key of that neurotransmitter. Um, same thing with serotonin. Basically, the, the, you basically, you end up practicing emotions. And however old you are, you've essentially been practicing your emotional responses your entire life based on what you've been exposed to. So yeah, I mean, if you've been exposed to, if you've grew up in a yoga ashram, you probably have a lot of serotonin receptors. So anything that's re relaxing probably relaxes you. You're probably quicker to relax than other people. If you grew up in a situation where you develop a lot of GABA receptors, you probably, um, can zen out faster than the rest of us and or like go into chill mode or go into stillness mode. Um, so no, however old you are and whatever your experiences are, it's good to know who you are and what, what locks you have for what keys, right? If you're a high dopamine person, you need to find ways to help like, give yourself um, healthy boosts of dopamine because it's going to make you feel good, not in a way that is like um, uh, draining you in the way, you know, Facebook, I think now in today's day and age, we live in a very high dopamine, I mean, Arguably, since the Industrial Revolution, culture has been shifting towards the fire thing. And I think this might have been a commentary within the, in the cartoon Avatar, because in that world, there's the four nations of their four elements, but the fire nation uh, becomes angry and takes over the world, right? I think that's a commentary on modern society, like our pre-agriculture ancestors probably had a pretty equal balance of these four neurotransmitters, or at least how they expressed you know, these four elements uh, metaphorically. But in post-industrial worlds, uh, dopamine is rewarded more than anything else, right? If you go to your job, it's all about accomplishing things. Um, in the corporate world, you get uh, rewarded for intensity. You don't get rewarded so much for uh, being strategic. Like if you're, uh, I speak to a lot of computer programmers, and my, my father is one, and he shared the same sentiment that even though he's the skill position at his job, he's uh, the people who get promoted ahead of him are dopamine people, are people who just like, are intense and they go for things and they don't necessarily, um, uh, they're not necessarily the people actually making the money, right? They're not actually the ones programming the things in a tech company, but they're the ones who, you know, jump to the top because modern society in our industrial world rewards dopamine behaviors or fire behaviors more than anything. Like you show anger at someone, people tend to listen to you more than your rationality or, or empathy. Although I think certain things are shifting. We're going to talk about that shift next week with the feminization of culture. Um, so anyway, understanding who you are and finding situations that fit. I mean, this kind of goes a little bit off topic, but, um, well, you know, understanding who you are, like one of the hardest things, especially when I speak to guys who just feel so out of place or they feel less than everyone else and they tell me about their environment, they're in an environment that just doesn't match them, right? I spoke about this in the in the episode on breaking social constructions, right? Like you are, you've grown up to be whoever you are, to be a certain type of person with certain interests, with certain uh, balances of uh, 
of these neurotransmitters and what makes you happy versus not happy. And say, say you're a high acetylcholine person and uh, you're, you found yourself in a job which is all about customer service, like a serotonin trait, and it's just really not your thing and you feel like an idiot because everyone else seems to be getting off on this thing and you're not, or like you're a dopamine person and you're in some other job, or you're, uh, you're someone who needs to be working his body and you're in like, you know, people find their ways into situations that don't fit them and they feel less than it causes shame, as you spoke a lot about in that episode. Um, but if you just find yourself in the right environment, uh, sometimes that's the biggest thing, which is why I recommend to so many guys who are, feel stuck in their social paradigm that they go traveling, that they change cities, just to realize that it's not them that was broken. They were just trying to fit the wrong shape peg in the wrong shape hole. Anyway, um, yeah, okay. So that's essentially the biological uh, basis. Now, so what does it mean to find balance? Now, if, and I'm not super familiar with Kabbalah, but I do know this is kind of the spiritual goal of Jewish mysticism of Kabbalah, which is, as I mentioned at the top of the episode, uh, finding a balance of, I mean, the belief that the body, the self, the individual is a microcosm for the universe. So these, uh, you know, many thousands of years ago, they, they were obviously not aware of the neurotransmitters, but they observed the universe. They're like, okay, there's like fire in the sun, there's water, there's earth, there's air. This is what the world is made out of. How do we balance ourselves to match what's going on in the world? And um, so essentially is what we're talking about, right? Finding balance in yourself. Um, so this is a concept, I mean, even in the ancient samurai, this is one of the reasons why as they were fighting men, samurai, uh, learning the arts of war and sword fighting and, and combat, they always balanced yang, yang with yin, right? They always balanced killing with uh, poetry or painting because they recognized that when you don't have this balance, things go awry. And you can see this, you can look at society, you can look at the cartoon avatar, you can look at people who, uh, you look at men who are like uh, bound by rage and they're just like destroying things and you look at the rest of their lives, you look at these uh, young men who are causing atrocities and it's always a surprise to other people because they seemed so quiet, so timid. One could argue, I'm not saying that definitively this is the case in every one of those cases, but one could argue that because they did not find balance, because they went so far, like the, the guys who go so deep in nice guy syndrome, who go super yin, just to correct this imbalance in them, they have to go all the way to the other side and do something dangerous. Um, I mean, this is the whole idea of going postal. Um, you can see this in, in, in the BDSM world. There's an example I brought up in other episodes as well. Um, the people who are the, the highest paying, most consistent customers of professional dominatrices are high power CEOs. Why? Because they're going so far in the yang role. Uh, they're still going so far, like in their whole life, they're super, super dominant. And it doesn't feel good, even if it, that is their style of being. It doesn't feel good to be so far out of balance. So in order to feel balanced and to feel that nourishment in their soul again, they have to hire a little Asian woman to stomp on their balls or something. Obviously, in this extreme case, but those are our extreme situations where someone is so far in one thing versus the other. And in the show Avatar, if you've seen it, um, you can see, especially with one of the characters who goes from being a villain to kind of like part of the hero's gang, um, he's a fire person. He's obviously very angry. He's a caricature of fireness, of being angry, of being intense, of like never chilling. Um, and he needs to learn water qualities to chill out, to uh, become a hero. Up until then, he's kind of an anti-hero slash villain. Um, so... As we can get conceptually understand these four elements and these four characteristics, we can see that there's pros and cons to everything, right? It's not that one is better than the other. Actually, a lesson in avatars, you kind of need all four elements to, become, to, to save the world. 
which, which is a representation of individuation. So I, I kind of mentioned this already, but uh, you know, if you look at fire, uh, being a fiery person can often be seen as a positive thing. Fire is also related to power with intensity, with standing up for yourself. Anger being uh, a, a, not a negative emotion in itself. Expressions of anger can be negative, but uh, Gabo Mate has this great little talk, um, I mean, a short clip online. Uh, we're speaking about how, uh, well, his whole talk was about how you need to express your emotions, otherwise it actually causes depression in your nervous system. He has all these, uh, he had all these examples about how people who always did things for other people and not themselves would end up uh, actually getting cancer in, in, in ways that you wouldn't expect, or they would drop dead quickly because they were never prioritizing their own emotions, so their body was, uh, parts of them were atrophying. And he was speaking about how anger, the fire emotion, is actually, uh, it's just simply, um, uh, the emotion of uh, claiming your space, right? Like even a two-year-old, even a puppy is able to access anger. It's, a, the, it's, a, it's an imprinted emotion or it's, a, it's an instinctual emotion of getting space. If someone gets up in your space, you try to push them away. That's what anger is. Even, even uh, life forms that don't have emotions the way we would consider them, like, like fish or even, even single-cell organisms, obviously they don't have, they have maybe proto-emotions. They have some version of like get away from me, right? if they're capable of defending themselves. If not, they run away, which is another version of that. But on the other end, uh, you know, uh, the con, I mean, we, it's in our language, right? Someone who's over-exercising dopamine, and we can, we can see this in the social media era where we're like uh, stuck on clickbait, we're constantly uh, bombarded with email notifications and to-do lists from our work and stuff that, like this, this overload of the dopamine circuit. What does that lead to? Burnout, right? It's another... Uh, it's fire language, right? It's already in our language. Looking at water, the positive sides are receptivity, nurturing, if you think of water as a thing. Uh, serotonin is about chilling, relaxing, feeling connected to people. Um, but on the other end, being watery is uh, certainly not a positive thing. When someone's watery, what does it mean? They're, uh, you can't pin them down. They're, 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 like, they're, they're never able to speak up directly for themselves. They kind of sidestep. Maybe they're passive-aggressive. Um, and then also there's the term uh, drowning in your emotions. Someone who's like overly emotional, uh, you know, it's a very unattractive uh, uh, trait in men, not, not to be in touch with your emotions, which is great, which is the positive expression of connecting to your, your water. And actually I'd say most of my growth, my whole life I've been chasing fire because I thought, you know, this is what men are supposed to do. I've, I've certainly felt burnt out. And I, a lot of guys I speak to, it's not like they don't have enough masculinity. They're actually not able to um, express themselves or they're not, they're not uh, reaching their potential, whether it's in dating or in life or whatever, because they actually need to get in touch with their feminine side, right? They need to actually chill out for a second, be nice to themselves, validate themselves instead of forcing themselves into, into conflict all the time. But the negative side of this is the thing that's quite unattractive, especially in men, uh, given that uh, water is the feminine sign, uh, is drowning in your emotions. So what much earlier in the year, I think like nine months ago, I did the episode on the mother complex, the mother complex, mother being tied to uh, the tarot suit cups or hearts in, um, in the playing cards, also water. This is all the same thing. Like a guy who drowns in his emotions, who can't handle his emotions, like 
he just becomes smothered or he becomes smothered by his mother's presence in his life or his mother's presence in his mind or he gets smothered every time he is attracted to a woman and gets uh, one-nitis and goes deep into nice guy stuff like he can't handle it's like he, he can't get his head above water right all this this is all in our language already he's drowning uh this is basically someone who can't handle his water side he can't handle uh the uh, neurotransmitters that we associate with water serotonin and oxytocin um, acetylcholine, uh, playfulness is like, you know, think of air, uh, floating off the ground, like not taking, being light about everything, not taking things too seriously, um, being into ideas and not being too worried about the practical side, um, being a visionary, like looking up into air. This is, these are the positive sides, but being airy, being an airhead, being up in the clouds, uh, being out of your body. All of these are also air qualities of not actually, uh, embodying it in a positive way. Uh, a lot of hippies, a lot of spiritual people, uh, and I'm, I've been guilty of this. They, they go so up into ideas and concepts that are totally disconnected from the real world. They're, they're way too airy. Not a positive thing. Um, and then uh, with Earth, um, with GABA, being grounded obviously is an important trait. The opposite of air, bring us back down to the body. Um, but also being dense and being slow moving are traits of GABA. So these are our conceptual ways of seeing like, okay, uh, all of these, there's not that, not that any one of these things are better or worse. It's good to know yourself and know, know what specifically makes you happy. If you're a fire person, you need to do more intense things to feel happy. If you're a GABA person, you got to do like meditating probably affects you a lot better than other people, but also not being afraid of these emotions and being able to access these, these elements within yourself is important because, you know, if you see, uh, I have, I have friends who are very anti-fire, right? So what, so anytime someone's angry, they, be, they become very like resentful. Like how could this person become angry or, or they become very, uh, uh, fire is also the masculine or young energy, right? Like they're, I think a lot of people in modern culture, especially left-leaning modern culture has become very, um, uh, critical of masculine traits or fiery traits, even though it's ironic, but I mean, actually this is not ironic. It's, this is, this is why, because Certainly since the Industrial Revolution, arguably since the advent of agriculture, our society has been overvaluing dopamine, overvaluing fire. It's become uh, excessive in the social media era or internet era. Um, and, and we can see uh, culturally that this overemphasis of fire, uh, emphasis on war and production and intensity and working, uh, has caused imbalances and has caused uh, negative experiences in large parts of the population, arguably in everyone to some degree. Um, uh, so a lot of people are critical of fire traits right now. This kind of an attack on masculinity, um, uh, partially justified, but largely, I mean, there's certainly fallout from this too. We're gonna talk about that specifically in the next episode. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, finding, finding positive expressions. So like a dopamine person, a person who, whatever, prior to the, prior to their internet usage, probably, uh, maybe they did a lot of activities that, that uh, made them feel good, that caused them to have a lot of dopamine receptors. If they don't find activities like that that are useful, they're the ones who get sucked up into their phone faster because like that scrolling thing really stimulates them more. Whereas someone who's maybe low on dopamine receptors, who's not a super, who has that, who's found positive or has found positive expressions of that is not gonna get uh, so glued. Um, and the same thing, you know, not everyone's into strategy stuff acetylcholine is a thing. I mean, when I recognized it before I even thought about this in terms of elements and neurotransmitters, just when I got real with myself, it's like, I'm a friggin' nerd. I love things like board games. I love strategy things. I love playing poker. I love things that like require like a lot of like 
mapping out things in uh, game theory, obviously I'm obsessed with, uh, uh, when I really like just became honest with myself, like I don't actually like going out clubbing is a dopamine activity. I have never really liked it. Um, I like connecting with people, but I also, I prefer to play board games. Once I just got real with myself, it's like, this is who I am. I've been trying to be a jock my whole life, but like, let's be real. I just like to do this stuff. My quality of life changed so much. Like just knowing, just recognizing myself, not even thinking in the terms of acetylcholine, but just recognizing these are the things, you know, however I've grown up, this is what my nervous system is like. These are the things that make me happy. I just got to do them more. Like, what, why am I trying so hard? And I was uh, speaking to a guy, guy I'm coaching, um, who uh, is semi-related, but he's had this idea. I think he's been influenced by the pickup world where, like, they've really gotten this propaganda out, especially to men, that a really attractive man, a really uh, great man is great at cold approaching, right? So you have all these guys who've grown up thinking, like, in order for me to be attractive, I have to be good at cold approach, which is not necessarily the case. Cold approaching... I'm not against it. In fact, it's been positive in my life for a period of my life. It's a certain way to meet people, right? It's a certain way to practice. And, and if you are um, afraid of interaction or penetrating a space, it's a good fear to get over. But it's really not the best way to meet people. And there's no reason why you have to meet people that way. So like this, my, my current client, uh, my specific client, happened to meet a woman where she kind of fell on his lap. And uh, he didn't actually do a lot for for it. Like, he didn't He didn't work for it. He didn't have to like put throw himself into tension he was just he was just being himself and she kind of fell into his lap you know not literally but almost and uh he he's finding this idea like i can't accept this it's like i need to this is not okay i guess i i didn't work hard enough for it and i keep i was trying to get him uh, to understand like there's no reason why life has to be hard i you know when something good happens to you just say thanks because bad stuff is going to happen to you eventually too i know this is a little off topic but um, I, I do think a lot of guys, especially guys who like grew up reading pickup material, which was really, which was, was the, uh, which was like the, the primary propaganda in men's development 10 years ago, let's say, this is just what was on the internet. It was kind of flooded with like, this is how you cold approach. You got a cold approach. Everyone's got a cold approach. Here's our formulas. Here are 10 step systems. Um, that's not the case. Right. And like, uh, and I think it's actually culturally part of like the over dopamine part of our industrial complex. We're like, there's this idea, this, this, uh, fire concept, this fire propaganda, if you will, that you have to fight or struggle for things to be good. That's not necessarily the case. And like, um, uh, like Montauk Chia, uh, has mentioned how, um, people are meant to do war, right? We are meant to go to war. It's actually an important part of our, Selves and you know it's important. We're going to talk about this next week. The warrior archetype, men especially, have to experience something that either is war or simulates war, which is why men to be tend to be drawn to um, contact sports or uh, seeking uh, business or or things like video games where you get to experience at least simulated war. It's important for our our. our we have all these keys in our nervous system for, uh, or we have all these locks rather for um, neurotransmitters. These keys that come from conflict, right? But given our world is so hyper, um, hyper dopamine, uh, overly the military industrial complex has uh, made this extreme. Um, uh, we're, a lot of us are burnt out, right? The, we're overly dopamine fed. And um, Montachi was saying, like, we're meant to do war, but only about half the time, right? Our pre-agricultural ancestors would do warlike activities, would do like intense dopamine activities, like going hunting or fighting a battle. But that was only a small, it wasn't even half the time, it was a small fraction of human existence. A lot of life was doing these other things, uh, chilling out, zenning out, doing strategic things, connecting with people. Like that was 
half or more than half of our lives. So in our current lives where we're in war mode, where we're, if you work a 40 hour work week or 50 hour work week, you're, you're basically in war mode, uh, but to a level that's not actually healthy. So most of us, even if you are genuinely a fire person, a dopamine driven person, a dopamine driven athlete, if you will, um, uh, most of us, if you live in normal society doing conventional things as, as of the 21st century, chances are you're low in these other, uh, other areas, and specifically uh, fire and water balance each other out, um, and earth and air balance each other out. So if you're doing, uh, I'll speak with the simpler things first, if you're doing a lot of fire activity, a lot of intense fiery stuff, if your job involves a lot of intensity and conflict, you actually probably need yoga more than most people, a serotonin activity, which is probably why yoga has become very popular. If you're constantly doing strategic things, if you're a programmer, if you work with numbers a lot, uh, you actually need to do physical things more, right? Like something that's actually made me a better writer and a way more, I shouldn't say better, but has gotten, I mean, I have this, the war of art behind me. Something that's uh, really helped me increase my, my productivity and the volume of words I could write in a day um, has been working out in the middle of my work day. I write for two hours, I go lift some heavy things, and I can do it again, right? I could ne almost never write for four hours in a clip, because it's so, it's like, I don't know, I, don't, I mean, it's all conceptual, but I'd imagine my acetylcholine receptors are maybe just overloaded, right? I need to go do something. It's the opposite of air. I need to do some earth activities, move some boulders, you know, my kettlebell, and then I can go back to it. It's like this refresh. And um, you know, I've, I've spoken about this in my cult episode, but most of my life, uh, you know, this idea of like me seeking to fill in the get in my perceived inadequacies or my real inadequacies when it came to masculinity, a lot of it I was able to actually embody the the positive side of my fire when I embraced my water side. So um, I was certainly a burnout, right? Like I I was seeking all of these hyper masculine activities when I uh, joined Officer Canada School for the Marines, or I was playing all these combat sports, like things that I genuinely liked, but I was doing them so hard all the time that my body is actually breaking down and my mind is breaking down. When I joined the matriarchal cult and I was around women doing all these hyper feminine activities all the time, just being around women all the time, it really nurtured my water side and I was able to balance out. And actually, I don't know if I mentioned it in that episode, but like this uh, random thing, when I was in the cult and they they pair people up, they typically pair a guy and a girl and you have to sleep together as part of the research, you know, research in quotes. Um, they always, they, they openly said that uh, they would pair up a fire person with a water person. So I was a very fire person. Uh, my love interest through my two years in that uh, community was a woman who was like very water, right? Hyper nurturing, hyper in her emotions, very much manic pixie dream girl. And she balanced me out, and that's that part of um, that's that's a part of the narrative. And actually, uh, just I, I forgot to mention this, but I put out a request to the Masculine Underground group to get feedback on my book. Uh, a bunch of you guys responded. I uh, appreciate it a lot. Uh, it's been very useful. So if you are interested in my book, uh, my memoir of my two years in the matriarchal sex cult, I uh, just want an update. Um, going out for publishers this month. Probably will be out within the next, actually I have no idea when it'll be out, but things are moving on that. If you want to be, um, if you want to be notified when my book comes out, I feel very good about my book, especially with the feedback recently. I just make sure you're on my email list. Uh, I don't send out a lot of emails, but I will send out an update on my book when it's going to come out. Working titles, infinite play coming of age in the matriarchal cult of orgasm, where I learned to uh, connect with my water energy. It's a, it's a tale for men. <clears throat> anyway, uh, so I just want to go back. Uh, so we're going to we're end with like the practical applications, right? So 
I'd say there's two, two sides of this. The first bit we've spoken about um, is knowing yourself, right? Uh, you could probably look at yourself qualitatively and just be like, okay, this is like, I'm clearly this kind of person or like, uh, these are the things that make me happy. I'm, uh, yoga is a really big thing because I probably have a lot of serotonin receptors or I'm a acetylcholine person. I need to be doing strategic stuff to feel good or I'm a GABA person. I got to do things physically to feel in my body. Um, and knowing that it's okay, whatever you are is okay. Validate who you are. Just know, I mean, you can look at yourself if you zoom out for a second and be like, okay, if you were to create a user manual for yourself, this is actually an exercise I've given to, to guys. If you were to make a user manual for yourself, like if you, were, if you were like a video game character and you wanted to make a guide for someone else to play, play you, right? What are the things that, that work for you, right? Like what are the things that make you, your body, mind work well? You can probably come up with that. It's not a bad exercise to do if you're listening to this. Um, because you might, you might have been, you, I mean, I know for myself, you might have been lying to yourself your whole life thinking like, oh, I'm supposed to be a power person, but really I'm a strategy person or whatever it is. But then it's also in, in your assessment, recognizing that you might have some imbalances, right? Like you might have been going super hard on the fire stuff or like most of us, as I mentioned, are probably overloaded on our dopamine circuits, not even because we want to be or we mean to be, but, but most kinds of work, most kinds of media, I mean, Facebook, all of these things are, are, are basically, uh, hyper-triggering our dopamine circuits, which is why you know, a lot of people have short attention spans and, and all that stuff. Um, but then, and then, you know, actually a, a little thing, um, well, yeah, I don't actually have to get into this. I'm going to repeat this. But my, my, my love right now, she's really into the I Ching, I Ching. Um, she basically did an assessment on me, which kind of confirmed the Braverman test and all these things. Uh, I kind of guess I'm a thunder person in that, in that realm. And essentially, uh, and I've had certain conflicts with some of my friends recently because when I feel a truth, I feel like I got to blast it out, which is kind of a thunder thing. Not always the best way for playing with others, which brings us to the second point. So we are social animals. Uh, it's not actually uh, effective. And the whole reason why we're social or why any species is social is because when you get together with a group of members of your species and can synergize into some form of a superorganism, uh, everyone gets to specialize and the group gets to accomplish more, right? Like economically, uh, it doesn't make sense for everyone to make their own shoes and their own hammers. But if one guy makes all the shoes and gets really good at making shoes and one guy makes the hammers and he gets really good at making hammers, we can have more hammers and shoes and they can trade, right? That's essentially how specialization works. That's one of the reasons why we have sexual polarity. Like there's certain traits, especially, especially in pre-agricultural society that really need a testosterone driven behavior and a body that's uh, run on testosterone that's stronger, that's more aggressive, that's more courageous and fearless. And then there's certain traits that a group of organisms need that are more oxytocin-driven behaviors or serotonin-driven behaviors, um, being nurturing, being emotionally aware. And prior to the advent of civilization and agriculture, those things, those masculine and feminine roles were probably pretty much in balance as far as we can tell, at least as far as an arm armchair anthropologist like myself can tell. Um, and but since uh, you know, uh, since agriculture and certainly peaking at the industrial revolution and, and in the internet age, uh, one is highly more valued than others. Culturally, people are trying to uh, balance it out by shaming masculinity, which I don't think is the right way. But we'll talk about that next week. But all right. So anyway, back to this. Right, assessing your social map. Right, chances are, however you are, whatever elements, whatever neurotransmitters are dominant in you, you are probably drawn to people that are opposite. Either drawn uh, directly, like if you're like a fiery guy, you might be drawn to watery women or the opposite. If you're really in touch with your, uh, actually this is something I've noticed in myself, 
I used to be really drawn to, uh, I've gone through different phases. I realized the maybe a couple of years ago, I've been drawn to fiery women. I think after getting in touch with my feminine side, I became very drawn to like aggressive women. And it's like, I don't really like that. But then if I look at who makes me feel good is more of these water type people who intellectually I kind of shamed. I was like, oh yeah, I mean, anyone who is super emotional uh, is probably just like, they're not getting along in life. But I actually, I thought, I realized, I, look, I assessed my social map. It was like, I feel way better around emotional people um, for some reason. And, um, and anyway, doing this kind of assessment with your life of recognizing that as in the Avatar cartoon, as in Lord of the Rings, uh, teams are what get things done. Um, and you might be drawn to a certain type of person, uh, either consciously or unconsciously. Unconsciously, very often this shows up as you're always around a person who um, uh, is a type of person that frustrates you. You got to think, why are you attracted to that? If all of your exes are a certain way, if all of your exes are really stubborn, you got to think like, why am I constantly drawn to stubborn people? Is it that I'm not embracing my own stubbornness? I mean, it would be an earth quality. Or if you're always drawn to people who are always up in the clouds, like, am I not expressing my air qualities enough? Is that why I keep getting drawn to these people? Because any type of person that, if you find a pattern in your social relationships, chances are you're unconsciously drawn to that because you want to express that more. It's kind of like how, uh, yeah, I mean, like an avatar, they find the different elements to make their team. We, we, a part of us wants to be around all of these things because we know in real life, in, in natural life, I should say, uh, as opposed to artificial society, I mean, in the, in the wild, we need all of these qualities. That's why we have receptors for all these uh, neurotransmitters. Like we, like, and if we're not going to have them all in ourselves, we're actually inefficient to have all of these things. You can't be good at every skill. You can't have every personality trait and trait uh, in spades. Um, oh, anyway. Uh, I made it anyway. Uh, to, to be in a group or have a team, we have one of every type of person. That's why in heist movies, they always have that scene that Rick and Morty made fun of in one of their heist in episodes, uh, in that heist episode, where you find someone of every skill. So if you can, um, if you recognize this, you might be like, okay, I, I, I keep drawing in stubborn people. Um, maybe there's something that I need to embrace, and maybe there's actually something I want rather than something I'm fighting. And if you caught the episode I had with Carolyn Elliott a few uh, uh, a few months ago, um, one of the tenets of her book, As Essential Kink, is um, having is evidence of wanting. If you keep drawing a certain type of person into your life, if, keeping it, like, if you end up on teams, you end up in relationships with this type of person, chances are there's some part of you that actually wants it, right? Otherwise, you wouldn't be attracted to that person or you wouldn't end up in friendships with that person over and over again. Um, so if you, can, if you can buy that idea as a working assumption, uh, it kind of changes your perception of like, oh, how do I get along with this person? Because especially as we get, we tend to be drawn to our reciprocals, like David Data would always say, you're, uh, you are attracted, you always attract your sexual reciprocal. Um, if you're very watery, you tend to attract fiery people. Even if as a water person, you might be afraid of anger. You might be super turned off by, by fiery people, but for some reason you always end up dating them. Why is that? Uh, chances are it's because you actually want to embrace that. So you're trying to like unconsciously associate with that. Um, recognizing how do you get along with that. So, speak for myself, I, as a very air person, um, I have a hard time with people who move slow on things, right? Earthy people, right? Like, I, when I have an idea, I want to go, I don't want to think about whether it's practical or not. I just want to go, go, go. I just want to do it because it's fun for me when, it, when things move fast. Uh, but, for some reason, I always end up 
uh, on teams are drawn to people who are the kind of the opposite. They want to be very slow and practical and think about every detail. And I find it frustrating. But then I wonder, why do I always end up on teams with these people? Why do I end up in uh, friendships with these people, with people like this? Chances are, because it's a part of me that actually wants to actually go slow and chill out for a second, as opposed to my, my natural tendency. And Earth people are actually good for me to balance out. And you know, if you think of this in this way, do the Braverman test or assess your life. I, I would guess this is the case where you are drawn to, to such people. And if you can find ways to understand who they are, understand their elements, uh, it's, uh, it becomes easier to relate. Because if you keep applying your paradigm to other people, if you're a fiery person, like, why is everyone not yelling the way I'm yelling? Because this is how you express yourselves. Uh, you have to remember, like, people are different. They have their different ways. And you can learn how to communicate. And, get, and certainly just, like, have compassion and not get angry at people that are different than you because there's a reason why you're drawn together. And um, I just want to emphasize this idea. If you, are, if you find yourself around people that you constantly resent, there's probably something in that that you actually want to get in touch with. Um, that resentment might be some cultural conditioning of like, oh, emotional people are bad, uh, but I don't know why I keep ending up around them. They, you know, it might actually be that you're, draw, you're unconsciously drawn to them because you want to balance that thing out, but your ego is judging them because maybe your societal narrative is that this type of person is bad. I, mean, I think more, especially in left-leaning society, uh, masculinity is being shamed. So you might find yourself, I, actually I know a lot, of, a lot of my female friends maybe intellectually hate this idea of stereotypical masculinity, but they're attracted to stereotypical guys. I mean, this is, this is yeah, one example. Um, yeah, so seeking balance. So there's two elements, the two aspects of this as far as practical application, knowing yourself and feeding yourself based on your assessment of yourself. And the second bit is assessing your social map and connecting with the people that balance you out because you don't actually have to express everything in yourself. You want to have fluidity, but you don't actually need to be everything because as a social animal, you want to connect with people that um, have skills that you don't. All right, uh, that is that. Um, repeat our announcements next week we have uh, we're going to do the warrior archetypes speaking about honor courage strength speak about noradrenaline the aggression hormone and some sexual application of the warrior archetype um probably the weekend the week after that we're going to speak about um uh male tribes I, I might throw that into the warrior archetype we'll see i've been reading this book on um, way of men by jack donovan which is actually recommended by some of the guys in the masculine underground facebook group very interesting stuff. Um, he, he comes at it from an angle that I wouldn't have expected. Um, so we might speak about some of his ideas. Might have him on the podcast, actually. And uh, yeah, if you've taken any of my courses or you've any of my trainings, I apologize about the links not working. Going to get that fixed this week. I'm going to send out an apology email this week. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. If you are watching the recording of this or you are watching the video uh, staring at my bald head, I'm honored that you want to look at me. But I would highly recommend that you subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, whatever. Consume all this audio auditorially so you can actually move your body. Go out and do some push-ups. Take a walk around the block. Walk your dog. Walk your neighbor's dog. Do some yard work. Stretch. If you can't touch your toes, now's a good chance. Let's do a podcast and work on that um, because we all need to get off of our uh, screens. Too much dopamine. Anyway, that's all I got. Four elements. Uh, Avatars on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, uh, it's a good show. All right, goodbye.